Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all, on this beautiful fall morning. So good to see everybody this morning and just to welcome everyone, especially if you are a visitor. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're delighted that you're here and we hope that you all feel very much at home here among us at GPC. Welcome, one and all. We do invite you to sign the friendship pad that's on the inside aisle of each pew, the red pad there, if you would sign that. Mark your attendance with us and then pass that down the row and see who you're worshiping with. If you don't know them, you'll have a chance to meet them and greet them during the passing of the peace. But uh, welcome one and all to this time of worship. A welcome as well to those who are worshiping with us online. We're delighted that you're worshiping with us. We're glad you can connect with us in this way. There is an online friendship pad that you can sign. I invite you to sign that at the church website, and I invite you to download the church bulletin where you can follow along at home with everything that we're doing here in the sanctuary. So welcome to our our virtual congregation this morning. It's a, uh, it'll be a really special moment when Dr. Alex plays a special pre- uh, postlude at this worship service, and Alex is inviting children um, and uh, children of all ages, he says, to come up and see him play the organ, come up and stand in the choir loft. At the end of the service, he has a special sort of spooky but good Halloween worshipful pray, uh, postlude. But you'll see his fingers uh, and, and just the uh, great talent on display there. And if you uh, would like to, he, uh, children again, but I guess children of all ages, he's going to open the organ uh, door there and let you go up into the organ chamber where the pipes are. So stick around for a special prelude, uh, postlude after our service today. Today is Reformation Sunday. We always celebrate this on the Sunday closest to October 31st, which of course happens to be today. We think about Martin Luther nailing up his 95 theses on the Wittenberg University Cathedral door uh, 502 years ago and how that started this great reformation, this great reforming uh, movement of the church where we would be reformed always, uh, reformed and always being reformed according to the Word of God. So we are grateful for that reformed heritage. We're grateful for Reformation Sunday. To celebrate that, we actually have a special affirmation of faith that we'll say together. We've used it the last few years. It was sort of published nationally, but compiled, arranged by our own Reverend Susie Wiggins. And so there are other churches in the country, I know, that will be using this today. We'll use it here. It takes uh, it takes a portion of each of our Reformed creeds and confessions, and it compiles them, Susie's compiled them into a very special affirmation of faith, so be ready for that in a little bit later in our worship service. Susie, thank you for, for doing that for us. Next Sunday is All Saints Sunday. Again, this is the first Sunday in November each year, and we have a very special moment in the first Sunday at All Saints Sunday, where we'll take a moment and pause in our worship service next Sunday and read the necrology. We'll read the names of all of those church members who have died in the last year. And so I know you'll want to be here to be part of that special moment to remember those saints among us who have now gone on to the church triumphant, and we'll do that next Sunday on All Saints Sunday. See the nominations form in your bulletin, please, and think of anyone who may 
uh, may come to your mind and your heart to serve as a deacon or an elder, and you can jot that name down, fill that out, uh, tear it off your bulletin and put it in the offering plate or put it in the church office. And I know our nominating committee, which has begun its work, would be grateful for any suggestions and nominations from the congregation. Finally, we do celebrate another birth in the extended uh, church family. You'll see a baby rose on our baptismal font this morning. That is in honor of Wesley Brock Martin, who was born a few weeks ago in September to Brock and Kara Martin. We celebrate with uh, little Wesley's grandparents, David and Tara Martin, and uh, the birth of their grandson. Um, We're so happy for them, pleased for that. Please say a prayer of gratitude for little Wesley Brock and his uh, arrival into the world, his safe arrival. Pray for his parents, pray for his grandparents, and celebrate the birth uh, with the Martins as they share their joy with everybody. Those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. In Christ's name, to fill this place with our praise of God. God is worthy of our devotion. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Our God executes justice for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry.
God is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who repent. Let us confess our sin and acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. We are made in your image, and you have given us much grace. In our sin, we speak and act in ways that disfigure your likeness in us. We pray for you to rescue and redeem us. We pray for you to forgive and heal us. In your mercy, show us grace and restore your image in us so that we may follow you as true disciples, forgiven and free. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And as our children come forth for the children's sermon, please greet those around you with a sign of God's peace. Hey, everybody. Ooh, good morning. Come on over. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you this morning. Great to have everybody coming up front. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say a little bit today about what it means for us to be connected. What does it mean for us to be connected? This is what we're thinking about this morning. Good, good to see everybody. So I want us to think about something so important for us in the church, in the body of Christ. And I happened to stop by your Sunday school gathering this morning, and I saw you were talking about the exact same thing in Sunday school about being part of the body of Christ and how every part is so important, and we're all connected in the body of Christ. I want to show this little ball right here, this little toy. Do you see this right here? And you see how all these little parts are connected, and they're all close together, right? They're all squished together, 
Can you see this, how this is all part of one little ball? But you know what happens? Even if we spread it out, it's still connected. It is still connected. This part is connected to this part, which is connected to this part. And if you make it small or big, it is all connected. How about that? Now, I'm glad you're standing up because I want us to all stand up and stand in a circle together. I want to show you another way that we're all connected together. So stand by Pastor Susie, and we're going to make a circle. That's good. That's perfect right there. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be all connected by this little bit of yarn here. So I'm going to start the piece right here. You can spread out a little bit. So I want you to wrap this around. Just hold on tight to that right there. And we'll come over to Pastor Mike. And then we'll, you hold this. Let's see. You hold this piece. Whoops. You hold that piece right there, and then bring the rest over here. You hold, just yeah, you can hold that one right there, Wells. And then you hold this one, my man, right here. Perfect. And then we're going to pull over. I'm going to toss that right over there to you. Pull it tight. Perfect. And then let me see the yarn here. I'll toss it back over. Who doesn't have one right there? And then we'll come back to Pastor Susie right there. It is football fumble season here. Uh-oh, we need one more. All right, well, I think you let go of yours. Maybe grab yours right there, Thomas, right there. Okay. All right. Now I've got mine. Look, we are all connected by this web right here. We're all connected. So pull a little bit on your part. Pull a little bit on your part. Keep the circulation going everywhere. So that we're all connected by this web, right? And that's just like us in the church. We're all connected by our faith in Jesus and our love for God. And even if we're close together or spread out, we're connected together. So we're going to talk some more about being connected over the next uh, several weeks. But I wanted us this morning to think about how we are connected together in the body of Christ. All right, I'm going to say a prayer. Please pray after me. Let's say this. Dear God, thank you for our connection. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, we thank you for the church and your love among us every day. Keep us connected always. Amen. All right. Thank you. You can drop your yarn and head back.
Please join me in prayer. Let us pray. On this Reformation Sunday, O oh God, we pray for your reforming spirit to do just that within us. Reform us after the likeness of Christ. Remake and refashion us in his image. Lord, let us be and live like Christ each day by what we read and what we hear from your word now. Amen. We read from the New Testament from the Gospel of Mark, our New Testament lesson from chapter 12, verses 28 through 36. One of the scribes came near and heard Jesus and the Sadducees disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is greatest of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is the most important. It's much more important than all of burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This reading from Mark comes in a section where Jesus has been arguing with different religious leaders. First, the Pharisees, and then the story right before them is about Jesus and the Sadducees. And now here comes a scribe. Here comes a scribe to ask Jesus a very, very important question. Now, the scribes were experts in the law. They knew all the 600 and 600 plus laws, and not only did they know the laws, they knew how they had been interpreted down through the centuries, because there was this vast uh, extra portion to the law for some of them that was the interpretation, and it was the application. All these different laws, all these different things to remember, all these things about worshiping God and treating other people, and how do you know all of these laws, and how do you interpret them, how do you apply them in the right situation. So, of course, this scribe who is wise in the law comes up to Jesus, thinking there's got to be some simpler way, there's got to be some better way, there's got to be some summary, there's got to be some compendium, there's got to be something simpler, and so he asks Jesus this great prioritizing question, which commandment is first of all? Which one is first? So instead of talking about the law, this is fascinating, a little detail in this passage. Instead of talking about the law, Jesus does quote Deuteronomy, but he gives this scribe, he reminds him of a little lesson in theology. He reminds them of the most important distinctive fact of their Jewishness going back all throughout history. He reminds this scribe what sets them apart from every other nation, every other people group, among all others. It's their monotheism. It is their faith in, their belief in one God. That there is one and only God who created everything. 
Not a bunch of gods who were at war with each other or who enacted all these battles together and then creation somehow springs from that. No, there is one creator God. There's one God who saves and redeems. There is one God who is in charge of history. There is only one God who defines righteousness and justice and defines compassion. And there's one God who defines right and wrong. There is one and only God who was and is and will ever be. Everything else, everyone else, everything else in creation is not God. Being monotheistic. Worshiping and believing in only one God was so unique at that time in history. It's unique in our time in history. Every other group, every other people group, every other country had this whole panoply of gods and goddesses that they worshiped on every different occasion. A reason to sacrifice for one God for the crops, a reason to sacrifice to another God to appease this God or this goddess for your family or for any all other reasons under the sun. And in all the literature surrounding different cultures about their gods, what we notice is that these gods are often at war with each other. And you look at Greek mythology, you'll see that the Greek people, they they believed that they were just the playthings of these gods. These gods lived and maneuvered and were very, um, they were just so manipulative in how they dealt with people. You had to placate and appease the gods and live in fear of the gods. Loving the gods wasn't ever part of the equation because the gods were cruel and capricious. They just dealt with people in ways that were fearful. And you lived in fear of the gods. You certainly did not love them. But that is not the case with Israel's God. This one they revered so much that they called this God Yahweh. They revered and they loved this God. God created them. God redeemed them. God saved them. God gave them grace. God brought them out of slavery. God gave them the gift of the promised land, the gift of the law. God provided for them. God was loved and appreciated with gratitude. Their God was to be worshipped and adored and appreciated for all of His grace and all of His many blessings. God was loved. So when Jesus answers this question of the scribe about the most important commandment, He talks about the one and only God to whom everything is owed. Nobody else, only God. Only one God sees all of your life. There's only one God who sees all of my life, all of my sins and mistakes, and who approaches you and me, nevertheless, with grace and a purpose and a plan. There is only, always one God. And this is so liberating. It is so freeing to believe in and to worship this one God. You and I do not live at the whims of any little gods who play with our lives. We do not, I do not think of myself, I cannot, as my own God, because that only leads to destruction and narcissism. I can't let idols take over and mess up my priorities. You keep God above and first in all of our priorities. We are free to live an authentic human life that we were created to live because of this one God. Because there's only one real living God in this universe, you shall love the Lord your God above everything else, with everything you are and everything you have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your intellect, with all your physical strength in service to others. Love God because God loves you more than you could ever imagine. 
Now that alone probably would have satisfied the scribe because that is a great answer. Jesus quoting from the Shema, from Deuteronomy 6, it's a great answer, and yet it's not quite complete because the law talks about so much more. In addition to loving God, said Jesus, you must love others around you. You must love others around you. Not you should try to or you should want to or love those who are kind to you. No, you must love everyone around you. Even when, and even especially when, said Jesus in other places in his ministry, even when they don't treat you like you want to be treated, treat them nevertheless always with respect and dignity and care about them and be honest with them and show mercy to everyone. Mother Teresa said people who love each other fully and truly are the happiest in the world. They may have little, they may have nothing, but they are happy people. Everything, she said, everything depends on how we love one another. It is as simple as that, and yet, for me and for you, it's also as difficult as that. Love God, love neighbor. How many times are you challenged in that endeavor? To love God and love neighbor. Sometimes, sometimes one of the difficulties is that some of us, we, we tend to lean one direction or the other in that. We prefer to one direction or the other. And so some people in Jesus' day and in our day too prefer sort of the God track. They prefer the God side of that. And so they attend church, attend Bible studies. They read the Bible. They're in Scripture every day. But when it comes to service, to getting out into the world where Jesus calls us to serve, and especially among broken people, to be in the trenches of the world serving and helping, those people don't do much at all. They're in church, they attend, they Bible study, but they don't serve, they don't love, they don't put love in action toward their neighbors. They focus on God, they neglect service. So what this really means is they're really thinking about themselves and they're attending to themselves and how to get right with God but they're neglecting love. On the other side, there are people who are very active, very involved in community programs. They support causes that lift people up. They love justice. They care about fair treatment of people, but their relationship with God is virtually non-existent. They don't go to church. They don't pray. They don't study Scripture. They don't worship. So these people also are mainly interested in themselves and how to get right with people around them. If the other people are interested in themselves and how to get right with God, we swing both ways sometimes. Most of us tend to focus on one or the other. So I want to share with you how I was sort of convicted this past week in my own spiritual neglect when it comes to loving and serving other people. I know we've talked about this a lot. You've heard me talk about before covid I was part of a great group of volunteers. I see several people in here who were part of a group that went to Memphis Athletic Ministries once a week. Tutor, mentor, and really it's more about developing relationships of trust, and it happens across all kinds of different lines. Um, age, certainly, race, culture, education, all kinds of different boundaries. And I know I've spoken about this before, but I had developed a really good relationship with the young man and we spent, you know, an hour together, and we would do some homework together, and then we'd go throw the football or play basketball together, developed a good rapport over the course of about a year or so, this friendship. And then COVID hit, and everything stopped. 
And of course, in the uncertainty of the beginning of COVID, everything shut down, ma'am shut down, we shut down, everybody shut down, and I get all that, and that's fine. It happened for about three months or so. But then there were multiple opportunities all through last summer, last fall, winter, spring, into this summer, when MAM was reopened in a limited way, and I could have shown the initiative and, and gotten up and set up a time and resumed my relationship with that young man, but I didn't. I just didn't. And I've thought about him over the last 19 months, and I've said to myself several times, I have got to get off of my seat and motivate and get going and keep that connection going because it was important to him, it was important to me, but I didn't. I just didn't. Last Thursday, I went back to MAM to kind of restart my own tutoring and, and mentoring program there, and I saw that young man, now fully 19 months older and bigger, and I wanted to talk to him, but he couldn't even look me in the eye. And I would ask him a few questions, and he just looked down the whole time, and I could just hear the question that he wasn't saying, but I knew what it was. Where have you been? Where have you been? After all that, where have you been? It was like I had abandoned him, and so much of that trust and that friendship and that relationship that connected us so well was gone. And here's the truth in my own searching, that after a while I used the pandemic as an excuse to be negligent and spiritually lazy when it came to loving others and being involved like I'm supposed to be. Maybe, of course, of course it was excusable, and I get that at the beginning, I get it, but after a while, when I could have done something and should have done something, I didn't, and honestly, I just played it off on COVID. And I just want to invite you, you, and this is not a blanket invitation, maybe, but I want to invite you to consider prayerfully and just to examine your own heart and ponder if COVID has caused you in some way or another to lag in your spiritual life or your involvement in church or your involvement in faith. Has it caused you to be slower in your love for God or in your service for others? Have you become disconnected in a way from church and from others? Have you known for a while that you could have come back to worship and you just haven't? Maybe you've gotten out of the habit of certain things spiritually, Sunday school or Bible study or service or projects that you used to be involved in. And I hasten to add, I understand. I understand that there are people who do have very real and legitimate health concerns and health-related reasons not to be present. I saw two of them yesterday morning, and they've been watching every week, and I know they're watching right now, and they know who they are. I'm so glad that people can connect virtually. I'm so glad that people can connect virtually when they're out of town or, or on vacation or whatever. And when the pandemic was, was bad, of course people missed, and then we were in the gym for a little while, and I get all of that. But I also know, because some of you have told me, that some of these things were just excuses, and we got a little negligent. A lot of people have gotten out of the habit of coming to church, and for many, the discipline of Bible study and the love of worship just faded during COVID. And you know it's time to reconnect, and the time is now. The time is now, and you know you want to. 
Let's not let the pandemic let us be me, maybe you, spiritually negligent. So how do we address this as a church? That's been a question that's been batted around among many leadership circles. I know our staff has talked about this a lot. How do we reach out and invite those to to come on back after maybe being gone for a while? How do you come back to church? How do we live more truly and deeply in love with each other and with God and with the community? And how do we serve? We've talked a lot about that. In the fall of 2019, the session appointed a strategic visioning committee to re-examine our strategic goals from 2015 and 16 and see where we were five years later. We were in the middle of doing that in early 2020 when, yes, you know it hit. It got us all stuck in quicksand. But we picked it back up last fall. We moved into the winter and spring. And in the summer, the elders and deacons of our church adopted four strategic areas that are summarized by the four words... Connecting, growing, caring, and sharing. Those four broad areas became the basis for each committee's goals and objectives. And and we were already doing, we were already connected in many ways before the pandemic, but now we want to finally tune this. We want to become better connected. How do we as a church grow spiritually, numerically? How do we care for the world with Christ's hands and feet? How do we serve? How do we share what we're doing and share opportunities and share the gospel? How do we connect and grow and care and share? So these areas have been dovetailing also with, of course, our stewardship needs, one part of which is paying off the the debt from the education building from 2019. The other part is continuing to fund our ongoing and our growing ministries. And so the strategic goal setting has been dovetailing with our stewardship needs, and they've been woven together and merging together. We're seeing a relationship between these goals of connecting, growing, caring, and sharing, and our stewardship needs and our ministry through stewardship and generosity. And the whole time, the whole time we do not forget that what they are all really about is loving our God and loving our neighbors. That's the emphasis of all strategic goals. That's the emphasis of all stewardship. How do we collectively, individually, together, how do we love God and love our neighbors. That's what we've been asking ourselves. And so a few groups in our church have taken this goal of connecting, which we're focusing on today, the idea of connecting and being connected together. And the stewardship team has come up with an idea, and and it's been coupled with people in our prayer ministry about how we more deeply connect with God and with each other through prayer as one aspect. And prayer is always a sign of love. Pray to the God we love. We pray to the God about the people that we love. So what are we going to do for the next three weeks? We're going to pray every day to God and for each other. To God and for each other. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to talk to God in prayer and lift each other up. And Paul Gwynn and Missy Gwynn, on behalf of this this group of other leaders who have been focusing on prayer, they're going to come up and share with us a little bit about the, the campaign engaging our potential, but also, and more importantly, our prayer effort over the course of the next three weeks. This prayer effort by which we will love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and by which we will love our neighbors as ourselves. And so I invite Paul and Missy to come forward and tell us more about this great prayer effort. Thanks, Will. 
I got to confess, um, I feel woefully unprepared because I don't have any buckets or signs today. But I do have Missy here with me, so that's a good thing. So good morning. Those of you that know me may not realize that my dad grew up in a Methodist church and my mother in the Baptist church, and in 1975 we settled here at Germantown Presbyterian. This has been my church home almost as long as I can remember, and Missy and I have been married nearly that long, and together we raised our 24-year-old son Cole here at GPC, and I love this church. Sorry, we love this church. <laughs> But before I talk to you about prayer, I want to briefly recap how we got here. During the Building Tomorrow Today campaign, Missy and I stood right here and talked about the need for a new Warren Hall, expansion and completion of the Memorial Garden, and we talked about renovation of historic Evans Chapel that I have so many fond memories of. We have all three of those things now, but as Will said, we also have a little debt remaining. Now, even though I fly cargo airplanes for a living, I do have a degree in finance, but I readily admit, I don't remember much from my days in McCool Hall at Mississippi State. But I do know that debt is bad and it's something we need to take care of as a church. There is so much more we can do right here at GPC and in our community when we're free of this burden. Alan Calicott talked about some of these opportunities a few weeks ago, and I'm sure you'll hear more about those in the future. So, a few months ago, Missy and I were tasked with leading the prayer effort for engaging our potential. Since that time, I have read, thought, and prayed more about stewardship and sacrificial giving than ever before. You know you're in deep when you're praying about prayer. And as a result, we enlisted the help of Pastor Susie, our communications director, Laurie Henderson, and Pam Grady and Garrett Gines from the Congregational Care Prayer Committee. I'm convinced that this campaign and its success as well as everything in the life of GPC begins with prayer. Will started praying about this early last spring, and more recently our leadership team has been in daily prayer for our staff, for one another, and for the planning and implementation of this campaign. Like some of my colleagues have said, we have everything we need to completely fund this campaign. It's just in our pockets. So I've got a quick story to illustrate. How many of you were here when we just had the Evans Chapel for worship on Sundays? Some of you may remember Reverend Bob Walkup. And for those of you who were not here in the early 80s, Reverend Walkup was an interim associate we had for a short time. He had snow white hair, a long white beard, and looked just like Santa Claus. I will never forget the day he walked up to the lectern to give the offertory invitation and said in his syrupy southern drawl, Lord, no matter what we say or do, this is what we really think of you. And you could see men reaching for wallets and ladies opening their purses. It was very, very effective. It was in their pockets then, and it's in our pockets now. But listen, make no mistake, no one is here to put that kind of pressure on anybody. But what we are here to do is to ask you to join us and to join one another and commit to 21 days of prayer and reflection. Each household will get by mail soon a comprehensive prayer and devotional guide. It's also your new directory. It's gonna lead us through the next three weeks up to a prayer vigil in Evans Chapel or from home if you choose on Friday, November 19th, followed by Commitment Sunday, 
on November 21st. You'll also be getting weekly emails reminding you what's on tap for the coming week and encouraging you to pray on the nines, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., for example, or a time suitable to your schedule. Be on the lookout for more information as well as a Sign Up Genius link to participate in the prayer vigil. So let's get engaged, pray faithfully, and see our potential and where the Lord leads us. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Paul and Missy. You know one of the coolest things about following Jesus? He gives us everything we need. Everything we need, especially the things that we're missing. And so wherever you feel disconnected or disoriented and feeling far from God, he's given us an opportunity this morning to plug back in and to be full with his love and grace. So I invite you to stand as you are able and join me as we recenter and refocus our lives on Christ through saying together the affirmation of faith. There are parts just for the reader, parts just for women, parts just for men, so I encourage you to join me. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We confess and acknowledge one God alone, distinct in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We believe that we belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to ourselves, but to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We believe We believe that we believe that there is but one only living and true God. God is a spirit, infinite in being, all-sufficient, eternal, incomprehensible, everywhere present, most wise most holy, most just, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. The Church's commission, upon which its freedom is founded, consists in delivering the message of the free grace of God to all people in Christ's stead. We believe... We believe We believe that separation and hatred between people and between groups is a sin, and it's already conquered by Christ. 
anything threatening our unity has no place in the church. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been blessed this morning to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us, and we've had the opportunity to stand together and with one voice affirm our faith together. Now we come to the place in our worship service where we are blessed yet again, and that is to come before Almighty God together and to lift up in prayer those that are near and dear to us and into our world, people all around the world that are in need of our prayers. And so I invite you to listen for a space of silence where I will invite you to name, just using their first names, those that are near and dear to you. And I will invite you to respond when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you may respond, hear our prayers. Let us now turn our hearts and our minds to Almighty God. Spirit of gentleness, in a world filled with turmoil, awash with discord, anxiety, fear, and illness, you blow through the wilderness, calling us to be vessels of love for all the world. And so, confident in your never-changing character of mercy and kindness and of your grace, which is freely given to even us, We turn to you now in prayer, laying bare our hopes, our fears, and the longings of our heart. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, like a nursing mother, you hold your children close and you nourish us. This morning we ask your gentleness to be with those who are ill today ill with the coronavirus and its many residual and long-lasting effects, those who suffer from many other physical, psychological, and mental illnesses, those being born today and those who will die today, those who express their fears and anxieties by lashing out at others, and those who are on the receiving end who feel unsafe on this day. We pray for caregivers everywhere. They so need your strength and your comfort, dear Lord. We pray for those that are in the pathways of natural disasters around the world, especially where floodwaters ravage barren land and where tornadoes and hurricanes cause such devastation to homes and businesses and lives. We pray for those right here in our own country and those in other lands who seek shelter and safety, food and water, and just want a better way of life. Hear their cries, we pray, and bless each one with relief according to their needs. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
God of wisdom, we pray for those in deep need of your guidance and compassion. May all leaders come before you in prayer before we speak, before we act, and then may we follow only your will. God of healing mercies, hear us now as we name before you those that are near and dear to our hearts and to our community of faith. Holy God, we have named many names, and there are many more that stay in our hearts, but we know that they are known to you, and so we ask your tender mercies upon each one. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of restlessness, stir us from placidness, strengthening our resolve to follow wherever you lead, fulfilling Christ's mission and ministry obeying Christ's commandment to love you with our whole heart and mind and soul and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves, being Christ's vessels of healing and reconciliation, Christ's instruments of righteousness and justice, Christ's bearers of hope and faith and love for everyone we meet. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And hear us now as we join all of our voices into one voice and pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. And so may the Holy Spirit of God stir our hearts to give back to God in all the ways that we can through the generous giving of our tithes and our offering. If you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to go to the giving tab, and there you can find many ways to participate in the body of Christ right here at GPC. The ushers may come forward.
God, thank you so much for the beauty of this day, for coming up alongside us this morning and speaking to us in ways that you know we needed to hear. God, we give to you these tithes and offerings because we commit our entire lives to you. And so we give to you these out of a sense of obedience to your holy word, out of gratitude, and also out of a deep abiding desire that you would take joy and bless and magnify these for your glory. Use them to transform someone's life with a love that you have transformed our lives with and empower us as a people of grace to go and spread the good news of who you are. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. Dear friends, remember the words of Scripture that say, Keep alert, stand firm, be courageous and strong, and let everything you do be done in love. And so now we leave this service to go out into the world to live our lives. We go out to love the Lord our God. We go out to love and serve our neighbors as ourselves. As you go, friends, may the grace of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.